welcome back. This is Thomas. JM and I are in the middle of a conversation about spiritual formation. We're talking about this idea that we're not just called to follow and imitate Jesus, but that he is actually in work at work in us. He's forming God in us. And so if you have not heard the first part, I urge you to go back and listen to episode one. But we're going to jump back into the conversation now. I, uh, I remember reading one of Tolkien's letters to his son, who is going through a really difficult time. And uh, one, it was just, it was just real humbling to have this, uh, to, to have this insight into this man that I admired telling his son how he is sorry for all of the times that he failed him, but that what got him through the tough times was going to church on a daily basis and taking communion. I was like, that, that, that was a thought that was very foreign to me. And I remember reacting, but he speaks about like accepting, he, he saw it as like accepting the grace of Christ into his life on a daily basis. And that's what got him just, just through the next day to the next time that he took communion. And I'm like, I, I grew up in a very similar tradition where it was, you know, about once a quarter is when we, when we took communion together as, as a, as a group. And I have friends now from a wild differing traditions of Christianity. And so it's interesting to hear those who go to church, you know, multiple times a week and, and take communion and those who uh, just take it more often than I do, or who it's amazing. This practice, mm. we all agree is important and we all have, I don't want to say wildly differing views on it, but it is very easy to say, well, this is the way we do it. So this is, this is the right. way. It's funny. I've had people who've come out of more liturgical backgrounds mm-hmm. And, um, it goes back to your thing about if you always do what you've always done and maybe they were in this kind of background for 30 years or something. Mm -hmm. And then they come to like our church and they're like, wow, this is so, it's so different. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is so, I feel so engaged with God in new ways. And, um, when we try to introduce liturgical things into the services, it makes them a little nervous because they look back at the thing and what, uh, their past. And what I'm realizing is it's not. It's not because of their past. It's just the richness of doing something new. Mm-hmm. So as a guy who grew up with no liturgy in my background and uh, a few months ago, I got to go visit an Anglican church and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Yeah. And I'm realizing it, it's not that what I experienced was bad. It's just, hey, th- there are some new practices out there. And I think this is what I would hope people would get out of this whole season is that there would be one point where they'd go, that's something new that I'd like to try that maybe creates space for God to do something. In yeah. Me. I don't want to take a risk with that. Yeah. And I, I agree a hundred percent. That's, that's my hope as well. And I think we're going to do a, at least talk a little bit at some point in the season on like the practice of unity. And maybe we can talk about, I sometimes feel like as humans, our knee jerk reaction is to vilify things that we're unfamiliar with. And one of the practices, the practice of unity, the fact that ch- the church, the church is the church. It's not this denomination and that denomination. It's the church and realizing, hey, we're going to talk about practices that may seem very familiar to you or may seem very strange to you or even might make you nervous from kind of the tradition you're coming from. But just realize that the people who practice these, who engage in these practices, they all acknowledge that Christ is Lord and Christ is Savior. And we just have different ways of expressing that and new New ways of expressing that help us engage in new ways with God. Yeah. And I, I, I think an undercurrent in my life right now is really that idea of 
it's easy to just be in that one room of the house and say it's important to keep that door closed because you know there's dangerous stuff out there. Instead, to turn and say, I, I'd like to open that door because there, there are ways that God has moved and, and moves through other people that could be new for me, mm-hmm. could be welcoming to me. There's a bigger world out there. There's a bigger God out there mm-hmm. than I've let it happen. And so um, learning other people's practices and even looking to some people out, outside of my kind of strain of Christianity has been rich for me. So let, let me... We throw out three practices that I've been engaging in um, that have been really helpful. So one is the uh, practice of listening. And that started that, that summer when I was not reading my Bible and I would have moments where I would stand. It was just, it just felt so weird, but I was like, well, God, do you, do you want to say something to me? And I just would kind of listen. And, and I realized now what was happening was I was beginning to tune my heart towards hearing his voice. Mm-hmm. I've always been nervous when people talk about God speaking to them. And I, I mean, I always want to say, you mean in his word, he spoke to you. Right. Um, that's okay. But so beginning to listen. And then that's, that's even shifted for me into um, conversations with people. And when I'm in conversations with people, I'm really trying to lean in and not just listen to what they're saying, but also in my mind say, spirit, what are you saying in this conversation? And, and you're beginning to pick up that there are times in a conversation where I would have normally just said something, but I'm realizing it's like the Spirit's saying, don't say that, mm-hmm. or let them talk some more, or ask this question. And um, I really sense that going back, it's, it's Christ forming in me. It's like God is saying, I am, I am in you teaching you how to be more like me. That's a, that's a powerful thing for mm-hmm. me. I didn't see that as a spiritual discipline that I have seen anywhere, but it's just, it's a practice of me pausing and trying to call, quiet, uh, quiet my heart. Let's, I'd be interested in hearing this. What are some spiritual practices that uh, are new for you that you're finding helpful in your forming? Uh, well, as I mentioned, this idea of unity. Um, so for me, that kind of, it's a struggle. It's something that I don't like. I'm going to be honest. Uh, it, it has been a struggle for me because it's so this kind of came back from uh, studying the Nicene Creed recently um, and teaching it to my son Zane. It's we say we say the creed twice a day, once in the morning and once before bed, and then really looking at this idea at the end where they said, "Listen, part uh, right." So a creed is developed to kind of boil down. Here's what's essential, so that we all can say it together and we all can say, "Hey, these are these are the foundational things of our faith," um, and. To have the ending of it, sort of the wrap up of it, be, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, it has been a struggle for me because it's very easy in today's day and age, especially with social media and all of these things, to have an us and them mentality, whether that's political lines, whether, you know, however you want to do that, but to realize there are people on either side of most discussions that we are having in our in our community, in our church, in our country, who believe radically different things than I do, yet still hold to the fact that Christ is Lord, that Christ is Savior. And the easy thing to do, and the thing that I'm ashamed to say that I've done for a section of my life, is to go, well, are they really Christians? If if they're pro-X or anti-X, can, they, can we really say that they're they're Christians? Well, that's super presumptuous. And really, 
the baseline is, is Christ Lord is Christ Savior. And there's a lot of people who interpret scriptures, as you were saying, in a lot of different ways. And they, I need to, I, I feel like God is working on me and saying, cool, like, can you, can you say that this person is a brother or sister in Christ? If they believe differently than you do mm-hmm. on, on whatever important political issue has come to mind or, you know, is, is the latest rage. And it's tough. It, I, I don't know how to reconcile that. And I, and I, and I, I feel like God is keep bringing this up. God keeps bringing this up to me saying, I'm not asking you to reconcile with it. I'm asking you to dwell with me on it because obviously he has an answer and, and he is the only one who knows the state of all of our hearts, but I'm not called to judge other people's relationships with God. I judge their actions. Right. And that's kind of as humans, what we, 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 we bounce off of, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to practice this unity. So I'm at, I'm at the, the start of this, this spiritual practice it's been very difficult for me. So I was having lunch with a friend who years ago was in a large city that had a church and they were doing kind of a, a, a church plant situation in a suburb. Um, this suburb was, uh, was happened to be a kind of very poor part of the city. It was uh, predominantly an African-American community. My friend is white. And so he was a part of that team that was helping raise that church up. And, and he, he said, he was telling me how much he loved going to that plant. He said, man, it was, he goes, I'd rather go there than the other church. We would go there. The worship was so different than my culture. It was, it was exciting and, and it was thrilling for him to get to go for years. One thing that challenged him was that he is very pro-life and, um, you know, to him, it's very clear when mm-hmm. life begins and why would you ever, you know, take someone's life as they are in the womb. And he would talk to people in this community. Now, this is just this community he's talking about. You talk to people in this community who were not as strong for life. And he, he said it was, it was a practice. He had to, he had to kind of practice that listening and mm-hmm. listening without judgment of saying, well, tell me, tell me more about that. Because he's thinking, gosh, we, we have the same Bible. Have these people not read it? What's going right. on here? And it's so clear area, cut. It's so clear cut. And in this community, as he listened, he just heard people say, well, well, um, why would I bring a child into this poverty situation that I'm in? Um, where it's a high likelihood that, you know, maybe there's not a, there's not a two, there's not a father in this home, uh, there's not enough food in this home. Why would I bring my child in a situation where they're going to face malnutrition, mm-hmm. uh, where they're going to face uh, some lack of education, where it's likely they're going to end up in some kind of gang or prison or dead? And he, 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 without judgment, just listening, could understand the context that this, this group of people were in, where when they approached that issue, they're just coming at it from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And there's some, inf- there's some stuff that they were dealing with that, that he realized had, had never been his experience. Mm-hmm. And so it was easy for him on the pro-life side of things to look and go, well, clearly it's just a scriptural issue. But there's a lot more going on there. And if he hadn't taken time to listen or even to begin to consider what you're talking about, a practice of unity, he just would have, and he just would have missed out on understanding this situation. And, you know, it didn't change his views Mm-mm. on what he viewed about, uh, being pro-life, but it just gave him some empathy to understand where people are coming from. And I think that's what I love about the podcast too. The fact that we've 
talked about this is coming to the table. Because um, that was the that was kind of the response from the study that we kind of came to when we when we come to people who uh, who are brothers and sisters in Christ but have radically different views. There's really two responses. There's the let's draw a hard line and we don't have to interact with these people, or there's the well let's sit and listen and talk with each other and come together around the things that that that, that bind us and then talk about these other things. We may not convince anyone. They may not convince us. But we all come from different life experiences. We all come from different cultures. And sometimes that, I mean, that's the reality of no matter what belief system you hold to. Mm. That when it meets the road, there's going to be essentials. And then there's going to be things that kind of grow up around it based on the culture we're at and based on the uh, the backgrounds we're from. And the, the only way to engage in a healthy way with our communities to sit down at a table and talk. Yeah. And I, I would say that like engaging in some spiritual practices outside of the ones that you have grown up with or that you've seen on the approved list or mm -hmm. whatever, um, two things may happen. Two things can happen. One is your, your faith, your belief system doesn't have to change. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is your belief system may change. Yeah. And, and that's been a fascinating thing to me. Uh, where I, I've seen that for, I think for some people having some of their beliefs change as they get older is seen as a scary, bad, wrong, uh, where it's like, well, Hey, I, I've always been taught that now I'm believing something different that, that, that must be wrong. And I'm, I'm kind of growing in this thought that I don't, I don't know that I want to just believe everything I believed when I was 13. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's okay for some beliefs to change over time and, and to grow in some stuff. And it's just, it's just, again, opening that door and saying there's more word out, world out there. There's more God out there than we have contained in our theologies. And, yeah. and I always appreciate it even in seminary um, when we would talk about systematic theology. Systematic theology is basically, hey, we're going to take everything that we believe and put it into boxes so that we can understand it. So we're going to, everything we believe about how people are saved, everything we believe about when Christ is coming back, everything mm -hmm. we believe about all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I appreciated a professor once just saying, you know, even though this is a systematic theology, this isn't all we know. We can't put God in this box. And mm -hmm. in fact, if you get to a point where you say, I've figured God out, that's not God. Yeah. God is not containable in our systematic theologies. Yeah, and he's gracious enough to have um, exposed his heart and thinking to us as much as he wanted to. But there's, I'm looking forward to getting to heaven and, and realizing, oh, there's a lot more. Yeah. So it's a lot like <laughs> any of our relationships, right? If my relationship with my wife was the same that it was 17 years ago when I got married, I would have some serious issues if I didn't if my relationship hadn't grown deeper and hadn't changed from daily just engagement with this, this person in my life, um, any friendship is like that or, or any relationship, right? My, my relationship with Zane and his relationship with me changes as we both grow older. The idea that our relationship with God is going to be static. We're going to learn, we're going to learn what we need to know and how we need to engage. And that's it for 20, 30, 40, 60 years that that's not the way relationship work. We, 
we constantly learn new things, mm-hmm. and and uh, if we're if we're listening, God is always there, waiting to speak. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think there's uh, I see the theme of this conversation that's playing out is really this thought of um, don't be afraid to try something new. That's right. Yeah. Or go back to your dad. You know, if you always do what you always done, you always get what you've always gotten. Um, so I'm 49, and this last year, one of the things I realized I needed in my life uh, last year was I needed, um, I was a pastor of a church, but I realized I didn't have a pastor. I needed, I needed someone in that mm-hmm. sense to, over the last couple of years, I've realized that. And so I engaged, uh, began to engage with a spiritual director. This is a person that was outside my denomination that I would just sit with, and he was teaching me how to pray. And we would, I think we've talked about this before. We would sit together and, and we, there would be times where he would read scripture and we would just sit there in silence or he would just let me sit there for 10 minutes and be quiet. And um, it was just all kind of new ways of thinking about God for me. And then he would, he, he would begin to engage with me on, on questions like, hey, when, have you seen, when in the last um, few weeks have you seen your heart moving towards God and moving away from God? And uh, Just some conversations about this. And, and so um, began to challenge me on the thinking that that God actually cares about and wants to use my emotions in my relationship. Hmm. I've always had a complicated relationship with emotions because as a nine, I've only thought there were two emotions, anger and not anger. <laughs> so at last you realizing there are other emotions. Um, but kind of the, the thought I've had, you know, the Bible says, well, heart's deceitful. You can't trust it. And so kind of thinking that my emotions were something that I needed to ask God to help me control mm-hmm. instead of, wait a minute, God actually cares that I'm sad. Yeah. God cares that I'm scared and I can talk to him about these things. Now I've been studying theology for 30 years. I'm, I'm you know, almost 50 years old and I'm just realizing now that there's a God mm-hmm. who want as a spiritual practice, I could take my emotions to him. Yeah. And I've been doing that a lot through the prayer of examine, mm-hmm. which uh, St. Ignatius came up with. And he's, he's the one years and years ago, centuries ago that had that thought that, Maybe our emotions are a way that God can speak to us. Maybe God wants to say, why are you feeling sad? Mm-hmm. Maybe that God wants to connect to us. So like the prayer of examine is really a, a time where I'm learning to discern when is God moving in my life and, and, and when am I moving towards him and away from him? And, and this is a practice that uh, a prayer that I, you know, I try to pause throughout the day and pray, kind of like you doing the Nicene Creed. And it, it's it's become something that has opened up a new pathway for God. And I love the fact there are still things God wants to do. This is my favorite thing about the burning bush at this point in my life. I used to be when I would read the story of the burning bush with Moses that I was like, Oh, well that's, you know, it's cool that God spoke and he was going to use Moses. But I have this thought now that part of that moment was God saying, Moses, you are very old but there's still an exciting adventure ahead that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do some things you've never done before. And you and I are going to do some fun things together. Like, that's exciting to yeah. think that the second part or, or the future part of your life has some things that you don't know and understand. Yeah. Well, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about, just growing in spirit and spiritual formation and uh, realizing uh, there's a quote. I want to make sure I get in here. One of my friends describes spiritual formation like this. Spiritual formation is a journey of discovery of who I am as much as a discovery of who God is. Mm-hmm. Both are important to move forward with Christ and be formed in him. And I hope that gets to play out a little bit in this season because um, it's easy to have a focus on, well, 
the way that I'm going to be formed in Christ is just to study what God says and do it. But I think what we're also understanding is discovering who we are and how God is changing us. So we're going to get into some fun conversations with that this season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, we've got some great things to talk about, and I think we're going to be talking about things that mean a lot to both us uh, personally and to um, all of the guests that we have this season. So, I hope you can join us at the table this season as we get into this topic of spiritual formation. I hope this conversation has sparked some conversations around the tables in your life and invite you to join us again in our next episode of Welcome to the Table. Welcome to the Table.